You know, our partnership with our Elam Global Partners is not just we give and we bless and we serve and we send money and we help them do what they're doing, but we are so blessed by the relationship that we have with them as well. And it's been nice to have them here at conference, but now it's our turn to be blessed by them and their ministry. So Pastor is gonna come and preach with you, put your hands together and welcome him as he comes. with Elam for quite some time now and uh, we've been blessed by the fellowship we have with Elam and every time we come for the conference here we get refreshed, rejuvenated and we go back with a lot of anointing and power to change India. So thank you Elam for all that you do and thank you for all that you serve in this particular part of this country. I'm here with my daughter Ria. I have just one daughter, her name's Ria and I also have just one wife. Her name's Lydia, uh, so she's there back in India. Uh, we come from a place called Chennai, all right, which is the down south of India. So she was supposed to join me, but then um, she went for a leadership uh, conference in the Malaysia, so just, she just came back and we guys flew in here. And it's such a joy to be sharing God's word with you. And my name is Renu Kumar again, and I come from a church called Rock Eternal Church. So greetings to you all from Rock Eternal Church, which is in India, all right, and uh, I truly believe that the Lord will speak to you all today, okay? And I come from a Hindu family where uh, I was telling, uh, uh, what do I call you, Frosties, okay? Uh, because in India, if you call a pastor by name, they get offended. You can't even call them brother, they get offended, so you need to call them pastor or bishop or cardinal, or in fact, some people prefer to be called pope. <laughs> so uh, I was telling Frosty that, um, uh, I'm the first guy in my entire family to ever be in ministry. Nobody's ever done ministry, both my mother's side and my father's side. And my father was a Hindu. And I come from a very, very, very broken family in India. But then the Lord chose me to do his work. Hallelujah. So we as a family, we were living in Melbourne for a while. So though we come from India, we'll be living in Melbourne for a while. You guys have been to Melbourne? Better place. But yeah, Auckland's still good. <laughs> so... So we were living in Melbourne for a while and well, we were about to get our permanent residency and settle down in Melbourne. That's when God asked us to move back to India. All right, move back to Chennai and do ministry. Whereas everybody from India were moving to Australia and other countries abroad to settle down. God said, go back to India. And we were like, Lord, are you sure you want us to go back to India? He's like, yeah, you have to go back to India. I said, okay, let me wait, get my PR, permanent residency, and then go back to India. But then with God, there is no fallback plan. There's no plan B with God. There's only one plan, and if you believe in God's plan, He will make sure that He'll see you through. So I decided with my wife and my daughter that I'll go back to India, and uh, people looked at me, they said, we know there's nothing on top of your head, but with this decision, we now understand there's nothing inside as well. <laughs> they said, you're going to be a fool to go back to India. But look who's the fool now. Yeah. Right, so we went back to India. We we started a church, and uh, we we didn't start a church. But as soon as we go back to India, the biggest problem was people knew our past, or at least my past. All right, my past. I'll leave my wife. My wife was a good girl, so people knew my past. You know, so I was in college, and I had all the good habits. You know, I was into drinking, smoking. I was a drug addict, and uh, the, everyone who, who who spoke to my mom, they said there are seven wonders in the world. If your son ever changes, he'll be the eighth wonder. <laughs> all right, so that was my life. And I used to have long hair, I used to have a long ponytail a lot of many years back, even though there's nothing for you to believe right now, but uh, you hope in the hopeless. 
So that was my life. So when I went back to uh, Chennai, we started ministry. I started as an evangelist. God started giving me songs, all right? And those songs were being sung across the world in all the Tamil churches. But then I don't know music till date, all right? I, I've never sung in my life, never written songs. But then God picks the lowly of the world, all right? The people who are low with no talent, all right? No gifts, but then to put the wise to shame, amen? That's how I consider myself. And then God spoke to us to start a church, and we started church, and uh, unlike your campus, because when you started church, I, there were already a few hundreds when you started church, all right? Uh, <laughs> were you? Because when I came there, I think this, this hall was kind of full. Yeah. Am I right, or did I get the data wrong? Yeah, all right. So when we started church, there were only three people sitting there in our church. All right, and I used to wear a full suit, a three-piece suit and a tie, and I used to preach on top of my wife, and my wife was like, there's nobody in the shopping complex, who are you serving? All right, so that's how it used to be. But then by the grace of God, we've crossed a thousand now. By the immense grace of God, we've crossed a thousand now. So this main church, we cater to the people who work in corporates. It's more of an urban church. But then when we had this church, the Lord gave us a, a burden to start a church for the street dwellers. So these guys, they don't even live in slums. They don't even live in huts. They live on the streets. So most of them are drug peddlers and commercial sex workers. So when we wanted to start a church for them, nobody gave us a place. But then we found a haunted house. All right. We found a haunted house and we said, oh, that's the place we want. All right. So we went and started a church for them in a haunted house. All right. So when we went in there, all the spirits of darkness and the evil spirits saw, oh, these guys are bigger than us. And so they left the place. So that's when we started this church. So on a Sunday morning, my assistant pastor, my associate pastor, he goes, wakes them up in the streets, gets them tea, coffee, gives them toothbrush paste and a soap so that they get ready, they get bathed, and then they come to church. And after church, they have meal. And during, during the week, we have our cell groups, our prayer groups happening on the streets where people will be selling themselves out and we will be worshiping on the streets with them. So that's one ministry we do. And apart from that, we work with traffic children, children who are told in brothel houses. We have girls who've been raped by 20 people in a day. All right, we have those girls in our, in, our, in our church where my wife takes care of that ministry. She works with them. So that's one, and it's, it's very sad. But then we work with them. We give them a life. We make sure they come back into the society, get them jobs, and we also make sure they get married again and form a family. All right, so it's, it's, God's been so gracious with us. And apart from that, we have adopted 300 villages in the most highly persecuted uh, villages in India where people have not even heard the name Jesus. All right, they don't even know there's a God called Jesus exists. So we start working with them by, you know, putting bore wells and water taps because there's no water in those villages. There's no toilets. So that's how we start working because you initially go and say there's a God, uh, God called Jesus. Can you accept him? They'll kill you. All right, so whenever you see somebody with this hairstyle, all right, remember me and my family and pray for us. <laughs> Hallelujah. So apart from being a full-time pastor, I also work full-time. I work as a chief revenue officer for a branding agency. We are into branding and social media marketing and all of that. I also have some responsibilities with YMCA. But what helps us with all of this is that we are able to reach the unreached. All right, not just the poor, but the people who will never set their foot inside the church. So by the immense grace of God, we've been able to make inroads into the movie industry, into the fashion industry, and reach out to people who will never come to church and thank God for all of that. So we do a lot of ministry on social media, and our church has grown from five to thousand 
only through social media. Only through social media. So we follow a model or a pattern where we use the tools in social media to reach out to people and bring them to church and make sure their lives are established on the rock. Hallelujah. All right. Can we just close our eyes right now so the Lord will speak to us? All right. Just pray for me that I will not speak on my own, but the Spirit of God will speak to you this morning. Father, we come into your presence this morning. And Daddy, I pray that I will decrease and you will increase. Lord, I pray that your word will be prophetic into people's life and their lives will be touched and transformed and they will not return the way, the way they came inside, Lord, but they will see a change in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, can you just lift your hands and say hallelujah? Is it okay to lift hands? All right, because I always remember, I always, I always believe that when you lift your hands in God's presence, he will never let go of them or let them down in front of men. In front of people. Because we don't have to do this to people. We don't have to go and ask for help if you lift your hands in God's presence. Can we lift them one more time? God's presence. Alright. The sermon title for today, the Lord asked me to speak to you is, The Day You Most Dreaded. Alright, let me repeat that for you. The Day You Most Dreaded. We all have those days where we really dreaded, right? There's one particular day, there's a day of surgery. Or a day you might think you might lose your job. Or a day where you have to make a big payment. Or the day there's a diagnosis. Or a day of examination. Have you been to colleges and schools? Or that you hate that day. Oh my God. I really feel that, you know, I just get past those days. There are days which we really dreaded in our life. And there are days we've gone by. We really don't want to remember those days. All right. The, way, the day we lost somebody. The day of failures. The day where you fell. All right, the day you had a bad news or the days you're actually, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna encounter in the future or like, I really don't want to see that day in my life. All right, there are husbands and wives, you know, who say, oh, I really don't want to think about that marriage day. All right, I just want to get over that day. But then dear children of God, this morning, the Spirit of God is telling you, the day you dread most that day will become a day of celebration in your life. That day will become a day of victory in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Can I hear an amen from you this morning? A louder amen. amen. All right. Because there are so many days. We go to a doctor and the doctor says in three days you'll get this report. And we are like, oh my God. Till those three days, we don't allow the pastor to sleep or anybody in our neighborhood to sleep. We just call people and say, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? All right. And when we get to know that people are losing jobs, oh, like the next thing we think is, oh, I'm also going to lose a job. Pastor, can you pay for me? Oh, I've got this big payment to make on this particular day. Can you pray for me? The day, there are days in our life we fear the most. But this morning, dear children of God, I want to encourage you. The days you fear the most, those are the days the Lord will use to give you a big victory. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you president of this house? Can I bear a big Amen. So let's jump into the story right away. If you can turn your Bibles to the book of Esther. All right. Do you guys know the story of Esther? All right. If you don't, I think uh, I don't have much time. You probably start attending kids' church. They will teach you the book of Esther. All right. The story of Esther. So we get to know the story that Esther becomes a queen. All right. Where Queen Vashti has been dethroned. The king makes her the queen. In fact, the king... Interviews 399 candidates. That's what historians say. Esther was the 400th candidate to be the queen. All right, so it was like more than a year. The king met every uh, a woman a day. And 400th candidate Esther came in and then he said, oh, all right, I select you. You become the queen. She becomes the queen. 
And then we also get to know that the will in Haman comes in. All right. Every time during the festival of Purim, the Jewish festival, whenever people read the name Haman, or everybody starts to shout. All the Jews, they start to shout. They make a ruckus because that's the entry of the villain in their life. All right? And then Haman tries to kill uh, Mordecai. And we all know the story that how God turns the tables. Then Haman is killed and Mordecai becomes the governor or the prime minister. That's it. That's the background. But then, if you come to chapter 3, there is this place where a bill is passed. Where Haman comes and tells the king, you know what? There's a particular you know, a, a tribe of people who are against your kingdom. Can you issue an order to kill them? All right. The book of Esther chapter 3 verse 13. Dispatches were sent by swift messengers into all the provinces of the empire, giving order that all the Jews, young, old, including women and children, must be killed, slaughtered, and annihilated on a single day. This was scheduled to happen on March 7th of the next year. And the property of the Jews will be given to those who have been killed. All right? We've got the NLT version. That's great. All right? So this was the order. The children of God, when this order is passed, all right, and everything is changed, we think most of the time we pray that, Lord, you will remove this situation from my life. You will remove this attack from my life. You will remove this storm from my life. The first point for today is the Lord is telling you, he will not stop these attacks but he will use them to display his power in our lives. Amen. The Lord is not going to stop these attacks. There's not going to be a day where you think the battle is going to be removed from your life. No. The Lord is saying the attacks will come into your life. But you know what? He's allowing these attacks so that his power will be you know, shown, displayed in your life. If you believe, say an amen. Hallelujah. So will you have sickness? Yes. Will you have failures? Yes. Will you have shut doors? Yes. Will your marriage go through a storm? Yes. All right. Will your foundation be shaken? Yes. All of this will happen. And there'll be times you like, Lord, are you there in my life? Lord, where have you gone in my life? Where are your promises? Where are those prophecies? Are they alive? They're still alive. And that's why God allowed all of this. He has allowed these attacks so that people will know that the hand of the Lord is upon your life. If you believe, lift your hand and say an amen. Hallelujah. So we know what happened, right? We know the story where Haman is killed. Mordecai becomes the prime minister. But what we think is, as soon as the tables are changed, we think that particular agreement or the bill will be canceled. But no. You know what happens? There's another decree which comes, Esther chapter 8. Another decree was written in the name of King Zerza, sealed with the king's senate ring. So Mordecai sent it with all the messengers. The king gave another degree saying, the Jews in every city can unite and defend themselves. They're allowed to kill and allowed to slaughter. All right. And anybody who comes against them that day, they can stand against them. And that was the 13th day of Adar. Earlier, the Jews were not allowed to defend. All right. So what I was thinking was, if I was the story writer, if Mordecai becomes a prime minister and everything is changed, let the earlier bill be cancelled. That's, 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 that's my belief. That's, my, that's what I would go, want God to do. God, why didn't you cancel that bill? But instead God says, no. No, this, this bill will be there. But he passes a new bill saying that, this time you will be able to defend these attacks. So dear children of God, this morning, if you think... It's going to be canceled. No. 
that which you wanted God to remove, he will use the same to improve. Can we repeat that for you? You wanted that to be removed, but the Lord is saying he will use the same thing in your life to improve your life. Hallelujah. So this morning, if you're discouraged saying that, Lord, I wanted you to remove this from my life. I wanted you to remove this battle from me. The Lord is saying, no, it will be there, but I will use the same battle to improve your life, to take your life further, to progress your life, to progress your calling, to bless your ministry, to expand your church. He's not going to remove, but he will use it to improve. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? So this attack in your life right now, the Lord's going to use the same attack in your life to display his power in your lives. Amen. Hallelujah. My second point for today is, when you step out in faith, he will bring you new support. Right? When you step out. The problem with us is that we fear and we don't step out at all. He's like, God, if you can meet this need, then I will step out. God says, you step out and I'll then meet your need. Lord, if you can give me the breakthrough, I will step out. The Lord says, if you want the breakthrough, you step out first. Right? If you want an open door, go to the door. It's like you're sitting on the couch and you say, Lord, open the door and then I'll come. No, no, no. The Lord says, go close to the door. Step out in faith. I will open the door for you. You know what happened? When the Jews gathered, chapter 9, the Jews were now permitted to defend themselves. When the Jews gathered, chapter 9, verse 2, when the Jews gathered in the cities throughout the king's provinces to attack everyone who tried to arm them, no one could stand against them. Everyone was afraid of them. And all the nobles of the provinces... The highest officers, the governors and the royal officials who helped the Jews for the fear of Mordecai. All right? All these noble princes, all right? Earlier, they were not supporting the Jews. But right now, everybody is coming in support for the Jews because they are ready to take up this battle. Dear children of God, this morning I want to tell you, you've probably been looking for support, which you did not get. But the Lord is saying, once you step out in faith... The, all those people who were on the other side, on the other side, they're going to come and support for you. You will have unexpected support, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Not from your own people. Quite often, we expect our family members to support us. We expect our friends to support us. You know, especially if you had come from India. Uh, whenever we move from India to another country, everybody says, do you have your relative in that particular country? Do you have a known contact or a friend, whether in New Zealand or Australia or America? You move there, they will support you. And we also trust that our known ones will support us and we come probably for two days. They are like, you're fed, you're taken care, you're treated as a guest. And the third day, they expect you to find a job immediately and get out of the house. Right? Or else the portion of your quantity becomes less day by day. All right? That's an indication. So this morning, dear children of God, you are not going to receive support from where you expected, but you're going to receive a new support when you step out in faith. All right? Do not depend on the people whom you know. God's going to send you some nobles and princes whom you think were not there in your radar. They're going to come in and give you new support. Hallelujah. Amen. If you can believe this, just lift your hands and say, I am receiving new support. Hallelujah. Because Frosty, I truly believe it's high time the main campus supported this church. It's going to be, there's going to be a season where this church is going to support other campuses and the main campus. That's how the Lord is going to lead this campus. Hallelujah. Now, when God, my third point is when God gives you the power, 
be careful not to misuse. All right? The problem with us is not even about receiving the blessing, but about handling the blessing after you receive it. Most of the time we fail and we fall after receiving the blessing. Because as long as we are in need of the blessing, you're like, Lord, I'm dependent on you. Lord, do this for me. You come for all the prayer meetings. Right? There are people in my church, you know, once they get the blessing, they disappear. They get the job, they disappear. But when they don't have a job, they've lost the job, they call the pastor and ask him to conduct prayer meetings which are not scheduled in the church. They're like, Pastor, today you do you have a night prayer? Today do you have healing prayer? I said, boss, it's not there in the calendar. They will want you to do one. All right? But then, when these guys receive the blessing, that's when the actual problem starts. Not when you're in need of the blessing. You get the blessing, you get the victory, you get the job, you get the marriage, you get the house, you get the car, you get the money, and then you have a problem. It's very important that they don't misuse the power. If you look at this, the Jews started winning. The sons were killed, sons of Haman were killed. The same chapter 10 to us, 300 more men were killed. But the word of God says, they took no plunder. It's mentioned thrice, even though the Jews started winning, even though the Jews started killing their enemies, it's mentioned thrice that they did not lay hands on their plunder. They did not misuse the power or they did not covet the blessings of others. My friends this morning, what's important is that you don't covet others' blessings, others' miracles. The problem with us is that we want that miracle. We want that healing. We want the same breakthrough. But you know what? Our God is a creator. He is a creator. He is a designer by default. So don't ask him to repeat the same miracle. Don't ask him to copy miracles. There's something called control C, control V. You know, in the keyboard we use, copy, paste. Quite often, we want to do control C, control V from other miracles. All right, I want the same miracle. You know what? The sister testified. Lord, can you do the same thing? Why? He wants to do something new in your life. He does not want to repeat the same. New miracles, new breakthroughs, new doors. That's what he wants to do in your life. If you're excited, you can put your hands together and don't massage your hands, but give a loud clap offering to the Lord. He wants to do something new. So when I pray, I tell the Lord, Lord, I don't want you to repeat the same. Give me a fresh miracle. I don't want to copy others' life. Let's move ahead. Once you step out in faith, all right, that becomes a habit. Once you step out in faith, the Lord will give you more opportunities to step out. All right? That becomes a habit. Every time you're like, Lord, you're not satisfied. You're like, Lord, come on. I want to step out one more time. Let me do this one more time. You don't become comfortable. Right? You know what happens with the Jews? The king comes and informs Esther. All right? That you know what? The Jews have started overpowering. He says, Esther, that very day the king informed that a number of people killed in the fortress of Susa and he called the queen Esther and he said, the Jews have killed 500 men. All right? Uh, along with Haman's sons. And you know what? If that's happened here, imagine what would have happened in the rest of the provinces. And he says, what do you want more? If it was me, i like, king, thank you so much. We've had our victory. Let's stop. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. We had our victory. Let's stop with this. Get satisfied. But you know what Esther did? Esther said, if it pleases the king, give the Jews in Susa permission to do it again tomorrow. Right? She's asking, give us another day 
to go to the battle. Give us another day to fight. I am not satisfied with the victory I had with this battle. Give me one more day. I want to step out more in faith. I want to experience a greater victory. Dear children of God, this morning, do not allow the devil or the people around you to limit your victories. You need to thirst for more. You need to thirst for more souls. Sometimes, you know, I see churches where they come and say, wow, oh, we, we've just reached this number and we are fine with that. Once you're satisfied, you start declining. You get into the maintenance mode. All right? You should not be satisfied with what's happened in your life. You need to start stepping out more in faith. It's not a one-time opportunity in your life. God gives you an opportunity. Esther is like, we've killed, but you know, it's not enough. We want to go for a battle for another day. Right? Dear children of God, if you're willing to fight more, you're going to experience more victories in your life. Hallelujah. People just have one story to say and they're, they're sufficient. One miracle, all right, and they're like, you know, they kind of repeat the same stories again and again. The Lord is saying, why do you want to stop with just one miracle, one breakthrough, one promotion, just one house? Why do you want to do that? The Lord is saying, he is willing to give you more if you can step out in faith more. All right? He's willing to do it more in your life. And that's what Esther says. Give me us another day. She's ready for another day of challenge. And you know what? The Lord gave them the victory. They killed more. They killed more. But they did not lay hands on the plunder. And you know what? I like the way Esther says it. If it pleases the king. Dear children of God, before you make a request, make sure you start pleasing the king. You please the king, your request will be answered. Let me move to the last point for today because I have this time. The day you dreaded most will become the day you celebrate. All right? Let me repeat that for you. The day you dreaded most will become the day you celebrate. You know what happens after this? All right? After the skilling was done and the Jews started winning, they made sure that this becomes a day of celebration. If you heard about the word Purim, I don't have much time to explain in detail. If they heard about the word Purim, it means lots. That became a Jewish celebration festival till date. Till date, even after so many thousands of years, that particular day is celebrated. The day all the Jews were supposed to be de destroyed, the same day became a day of celebration. Hallelujah. Do you know what they do? Every, every, every Purim festival, they read the book of Esther. All they gather together, they read the book of Esther. They send gifts to their friends. They do charity work. They help the poor. That has become a day of celebration. The day where all the Jews were going to be destroyed. Till then, it's being celebrated, dear children of God. You know what? I want to encourage all of you. That particular day you feared most. That particular day of surgery, that particular day you think you're going to lose everything, that particular day which you don't want to remember in your life, I tell you, that day will become a day of celebration in your life. Hallelujah. You know what? Mordecai becomes a prime minister. He sends out, you know, uh, orders to everywhere that that particular day, that particular day of Adar, the 7th and the 8th, will be celebrated as a Purim festival. All right? Dear children of God, if you read this entire book, this is the only book where there is no mention of the word God. If you read the book of Esther, there is no mention of the word God in this entire book. There are no supernatural miracles in this entire book where the Red Sea is split. All right? 
where they step into Jordan and the Jordan stops. No, you don't read about any supernatural miracle. In fact, the word of the word God is not there at all. We think God is silent throughout the entire book of Esther. But then you know what? When you think he's silent, that's when he's working the most in your life. Hallelujah. The day you fear most will become the day of your celebration. When we started our church, I'll just finish with this testament. When we started our church, there were just three people and my wife became very sick. All right, she went through a very tough time. She had cyst and uh, we thought it was just common for the woman to have cyst. And they said, we'll get it operated, we'll get it removed. But then they, they opened her, her body and the cyst broke and it had pus. All right, it did not have water or blood, so it got mixed with the body, all right, and uh, they call it septicemia, right? It became poisoned, and the doctors came out in one last time, and they asked me to sign a letter. They said, your wife's getting into coma, all right? All her uh, organs are about to fail, and uh, she might lose, your, lose her life, and they put her in the ICU for a long time. So we had this big battle, all right? I took her to hospitals, many hospitals. None of the doctors admitted her. They said, no, the previous doctors have messed up. We cannot save her. All right, long story short. All right, we went through a very tough time. And everybody told me, you've just started a church. All right, there are just three or five people. You better shut down the church. All right, close the church. All right, because you're going through a battle right now. So stop whatever you're doing right now for the Lord. And you just take care of this battle. But I said, no way, because that's what the devil wants me to do. He wants me to make sure if he's going to hit in a place that it pains, I'm going to stop whatever I do for God. Do you know? The devil actually, he does not find excuses to beat you down. It's actually us who gives him that excuse. We tell him, if you do this, all right, don't get distracted. He's going to be there, all right? Don't look at him. Just look at me. I'm going to finish. So long story short, there was this one particular day. So she was going to be operated by four doctors. And the doctor told me, you know, you better inform all your relatives that your, your wife will not survive. And I still remember that was one of the most dreaded days in my life. Because Lord, the doctor is saying that my wife will die. But you have told me that as a family across the world, we'll go around doing your ministry. Am I, am I going to believe the doctor? Am I going to believe you? And that the next day they said, they called up, the, the surgery was at 7 o'clock. That was the most dreaded day in my life. I didn't, want to, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to see that day at all. I just prayed, Lord, if you can just keep the day in my life, it would be better. Because I was like, Lord, I have a small daughter. How am I going to do your ministry? But then the Lord said, if you believe in my promise. If you hold on to whatever I told in your life, even though everything seems to fall apart, you will see my hand in your life. And I still remember they went, they took her in. The operation went for seven, six hours. The doctors came out and said, we don't know what happened, but your wife will live. Hallelujah. Dear children of God, I have a story to celebrate. I have a story to tell. That day which I feared most become, has become a story to proclaim everywhere. In fact, we a story, a day to celebrate. This one I've got this morning, I just want to encourage you. If you're going through such a day in your life, if you're fearing something which is going to happen in your life and you think everything's going to change, I tell you, that day is going to become a day of celebration. You will remember that day. The Lord's not going to stop the attacks, but He'll make sure that His power is displayed in all the attacks you go through. Amen. Hallelujah. You're going to remember this day of attack. You're going to remember this day of test in your life because that is going to become your story which others are going to be encouraged. Hallelujah. Let's close our eyes right now. I'm just going to pray and hand over the mic to Frosty. Father, even right now, Jesus, every fear in our mind which is stopping us from stepping forward in faith, Lord, we want to come with that in your hand. For that particular day which we fear the most, 
Father, we truly believe that day is going to become a day of testimony. That day is going to become a day of celebration in our lives. And we will remember that day that the Lord is there in our life and he never let go of us. Father, I pray that there will be more miracles and testimonies in this church. And this church will expand to glory for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we put our hands together and give God the glory?